Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, um, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. Um, I'm just going to give you a little disclaimer this morning. Um, If this doesn't hurt a little bit today, I've done something wrong, or you're not listening. I want to apologize in advance of feelings that may get hurt um, based on what I want to talk about today. Ooh, the anticipation. <laughs> um, so I got a question for you as we begin. Um, do you want to, and you don't, I, just, if you're new here, when I ask questions or ask for things, it's just internal. So just Play with it around in your own noggin. You don't have to say it out loud unless you want to, and then people might interact with you around. Uh, I don't want you to be the only one, but um, do you want to enjoy the presence of God? Do you? I mean, that's a question. Um, hopefully, if you're here in this room, the answer is yes. Um, that's what we're here for, is to help you learn how to enjoy the presence of God, to live in the presence of God. I mean, can you imagine... What it would look like and feel like to enter into the presence of God. Not even to the extent that we've experienced, but I'm talking about literally entering into his holiness and his purity and, and, and knowing he is there. Can you imagine what worship would be like if we understood the presence of God and we desired to be in it? I think we think too little of God and too much of ourselves. And I think that's part of why we don't enjoy as much of the presence of God that we have been given access to. So what happened when people encountered the living God in the Bible? When I would say I think we think too little of God and too much of us, I, I think sometimes if we play through that scenario, we'd be like, Hey, Jesus, like, so happy to see you. Like, and we don't think about, like, this is the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence. And when we enter into his presence, I don't think we'll be thinking about ourselves. I don't think we'll be in a cocky way, like, just, like, I think when we go meet important people, sometimes when we're like, hey, I'm Heath. And um, I think we don't think about that. And I don't think that's the way it's going to be. You know, when you look in the Bible, when, when people interacted with angels of God, which is a lower being than God, of course, um, they fell on their faces. When Isaiah had a, uh, a encounter with God, he said, woe is me for I am lost. And he fell. Well, he didn't fall on his face. He's like, I don't even deserve to be here. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. An angel took a, um, a burning coal from the altar and placed it on his lips, and, and God gave him access to the presence. Today we're going to look at a psalm by David where he answers this question. Who gets to dwell with God? Who gets to enter into his presence? He will show that the, what those people look like, act like, and talk like. And they are only like that because they have surrendered to the living God. 
This is not a list of things, which it is a list of things. This is not a list of things that we do to force God to do our will. To force him to let us have access to him. These are things that when we are surrendered to Jesus and follow him, he changes us. Okay, and disclaimer, because I'm really not going to get this until the end, because we're going to go through Psalms 15 in just a second. Um, just a disclaimer in case you don't know us and uh, maybe you're new to Christianity and stuff. We're saved by grace through faith alone. Okay. Disclaimer. We're going to talk about things that you do to enter into the presence of God. It is not the things that we do that get us into the presence of God. Okay. So we're, I'm going to get there at the end, but at the beginning, it's going to be like, oh, I need to do these things. I'm going to, I need to do that thing. I need to do this. And, and when I said, I, it's probably going to hurt your feelings. Um, I would put good money. I'm not a gambling man. Um, cause I don't like to lose money. Uh, but I would put good money that none of us in this room are going to check every box on this list that we're getting ready to go through. Hopefully, this gives us a starting point to go, I need Jesus to be greater so these things will actually be what they should be in me. Let's pray. Jesus, our access to the presence of God is your blood and your sacrifice. But you've called us into that life and given us access to you. But our behaviors and our actions hinder us from enjoying your presence. It may not keep us out of heaven, um, but it hinders us right now. So as we look into your word, Lord, I, I pray that you would let conviction move us to trusting, relying on you that would change us. Lord, we ask that, that we cannot change ourselves. The things that we're getting ready to read, we cannot do on our own strength. It is only as we surrender to you. Do you change our hearts so that we can change our lives, so that we can enjoy you and be unmoved? So, Lord, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalms 15, there's five verses, Psalm of David, uh, and not specific when this was written, other than we know that the temple was not built, because those that are reading your one-year Bible, David didn't build the temple. Uh, his son did. And um, so we know that the temple was was moving around, and it was stationary, and it was a tent. And so you're, you're going to get a question in the first one, two actually, back to back. And then he's going to answer that question with the next four verses and then end um, with a very powerful statement that says, those people won't be moved. They won't be shaken. So let's jump in. Verse 1, it says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Okay, the tent, the tabernacle, which is what that's referring to, when the people of God left Egypt, uh, Moses was given instructions how to uh, build a tabernacle, how to set up this place where the presence of God would be. So when he says tent, he doesn't mean like who's worthy to enter into a tent that you buy at Kmart, not Kmart, there's no Kmart, Walmart, roses, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. 
This is the tent where the presence of God is. So he's saying, who can enter into that? He said, who may dwell on your holy hill? The holy hill, uh, eventually the tent would rest there and eventually the tent would be built there. The holy hill was Mount Zion. It's where the, where God was. So the question is, who, who gets to enjoy the presence of God? Who gets to enter in to that place? And, and the, and the purpose isn't that we get to enter in and leave. The purpose is that we would enter in and stay. Because that's what the, the last statement of this verse says, that he that does these things, they'll be there. They won't be shaken. They won't be taken away. So verse 2 starts with the list of things that happen in us or, or we should be marked by. So verse 2, it says, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right. The term blameless, let's just make sure because... I don't think anybody in this room is going to be like, I, I'm sinless, okay? So hopefully no one in this room's under the, the deception that you live without entering into any sin, any. Like you may have defeated lots of big sins that bothered you before, but so it, you know, hopefully that's not even the case. Hopefully we get, yes. But what he's talking about here, he who walks blameless and does what is right, the term blameless is a reference to reputation. It doesn't mean sinless. It implies someone whose life offers no room for criticism from others. That we're walking in front of people so that they see who we are. And and if we're going to live like Jesus is greater, we're not doing this so that we earn a spot, so that we get something. We're doing this because he's changing us. And this is how Jesus lived. And and he asked us to follow him. And he asked us to walk as he walked. He asked us to... Suffer harm for his benefit. This person, life and works are righteous. They're, they're doing the right thing on purpose all the time. So hopefully already we're like, ooh, like what did I do yesterday? How did I behave in front? My wife, well, she's not here. Um, <laughs> she's, we're at the beach for a couple days, drove up this morning. Um, my wife says I'm really mean when I'm talking on the phone, not to like people that I know, but like when like someone calls that they need something, she always kind of pre-warns me like, let's not be rude. I don't intend to be rude. I'm kind of matter of fact, like you're calling me for X and I just want to get, you know, this figured out and fixed and blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, you come off very little. like, so this is across the board. How are we treating or is our walk blameless? Did we interact with somebody lesser than us and treat them less than they should be treated? And just for the record, uh, every one of us are created in the image of God, not just those that follow God, all of us. All of us are created and have the potential for God to interact with. So every one of our interactions that we walk in front of people should be blameless, not just the people that deserve it. In our culture, as we fight about all of these things, and some things should be fought about. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. But we should still treat people with respect. Love. The second part of verse 2, it says, and he speaks or and speaks truth in his heart. I like this. Because we're going to talk about tongue in just a second, like words that came out. But notice this phrase. It says, and speaks truth in his heart. 
This dialogue that's going in here, I, I think the most dangerous thing that you have going on in you is this inner voice that you have. It's like, yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, your neighbor did this, which we're going to talk about neighbors in a second. Or they, you remember when this person disrespect? Yeah, they deserve your disrespect. They deserve, it's okay to do these things. This inner voice that's telling us to do things that we shouldn't do. Uh, Luke 6, 45, it says, The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why in our heart we have to speak the truth. Because out of this, our mouth is going to respond. Now, some of you are really good at holding it in. Some of you, no one knows how aggravated you are with them because you're super nice. It's like a southern quality. Not a good quality, in my opinion, because being super nice to somebody's face, but like hating them in your heart and like thinking, walking away, telling your husband, or wife, you know, we're both that way, not not men and women specific, like, but... That's why it has to be in here. And this is when we talk about this idea of Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater inside of us. Because he's not, if he's not greater inside of us, then our mouth is going to respond. Because we can't help it. I mean, James, if you're like unsure of that, I'm going to quote James in just a second. Like if you can control that, if you can control your tongue, you're, you're perfect. But you can't. And we know it. I mean, hopefully inside of us we uh, understand. But this idea is that we got to speak it in us. And the reason why we talk about reading the Word, the reason why we talk about memorizing verses, the reason why we pray is because we're working on this inner part of us. Because just deciding today, I'm going to walk blamelessly. I think we'll just seem angry all the time because you're... you're Little veins popping out in your forehead. I'm going to speak the truth. But if you're not speaking the truth inside, if you're not letting the word tell you who you are, tell you what you should be doing, then your heart is going to do whatever it does internally. The, I, I remember a sermon series that we did Craig, uh, based on a, um, a, a series by Craig Rochelle. Uh, he had this, this line that says, you know, we will move in the direction of our strongest thought. Whatever's inside of you, we're going to move in the direction of that. And so if we can put the gospel so in us that we're moving in that direction, it benefits us. But if if there's a stronger thought that says, I'm worthless, or people are better, or I'm never going to amount to anything, or they're right, I shouldn't be there. In this net, we're going to move in that direction. So we've got to speak the truth in our heart. Verse 3, and it says, and who does not slander with his tongue? Hmm. Gossip? Speaking poorly of others? James, verse 1, 26, it says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue... But deceives his heart, this person's religion is a worthless. He goes on to say that the tongue is like the spark that starts this fire that burns all these things down. Or the tongue is like the rudder that moves you in the direction that the ship is going. It's this very small thing, but it's driving you 
in a direction. And if this is part of you, if gossip is part of your life, and I must, let's just confess, church, a good percentage of our prayer requests to other people is gossip. Oh, I heard so and so. We need to pray for them. It's like the southern thing where you say something horrible about somebody and then you say, your soul, like you've just fixed the dilemma that you just presented. Like, oh, they're blood. Bless their soul. We should pray for them. And, and I'm like, I, I don't know. This is something that convict. Like, I'm reading these things. They, I, I, almost every one of these lines, I hear failure in me. Not like, hey, church, you guys are failing, but we can so easily, and it feels so natural to say negative things about people when they're not there. But that person doesn't slander with their tongue. Continue on in verse 3, it says, And does no evil, evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend. First is someone who does not injure with their words, who does not point who does not pointlessly or unjustifiably speak evil of anyone. How easy it is for us to throw a snide, hurtful, even dehumanizing comments about others, especially when they're not around. Because the people that enter into the presence of God and get to enjoy Him now are people that are very convicted about what comes out of their mouth. I mean, Jesus had opportunity over and over again to speak because he knew the truth. I don't know that this this is not... Okay, there's lots of things that sometimes I just say, this is, you know, this is Heath. This is Heath. But one of the encounters Jesus had, uh, you'll probably remember it, pretty popular story in the Gospels where uh, this woman was caught in adultery and they bring her out in front of Jesus, probably unrobed. She was caught in the act, but they only caught her. I don't know how he was so fast to get away. But another story, another story. And they bring her before him because they want Jesus to say, murder her. Because in their law, it says that they should be stoned if they're caught in adultery. And he, he, he doesn't like, he could just throw down. He could be like, I know what y'all did. I know that y'all set a trap and probably the trapper was the man. You really let him go because you used him to get her so you could have this whole scenario. And Jesus, he, you know, they, they confront this, and he leans down, and he starts writing on the ground. This is the heat part, okay? He's writing on the ground. It doesn't say what he wrote on the ground. I read a commentary, and I, I, I love, I hope this is the truth, that Jesus is down there writing out their sin. Maybe their name. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Da, da, da. And then he, he tells them, he's like, you know, let the person... Without sin, be the first to cast a stone. And the older ones who know, because I'm telling you what, the, lo- the longer and older, the longer you live and the older you are, the more you realize you have flaws. And if you're real old and you still don't know you have flaws, like something's wrong. <laughs> Pray to Jesus. But the older ones leave first left to the young ones and they lay their stones down. Jesus had and knew every person's issue. He knew what they were doing when they were coming to confront him. He knew it was in their heart even before they spoke it because he would say, he would answer the question that they're whispering, that they're, they have internally. He would answer the question because he knew, but he didn't use any of that for his benefit. Man, he could have built a big church. 
You talking about you want to like a you you roll on the scene and you start prophesying and speaking things that are happening and healing people. Like he could have had the he could have had the first megachurch. You know how many people he ended up with at his his death? Eleven, but most of them kind of ran off. There's only like one or two that was hanging around. Because he didn't use any of that for his benefit. You know why he didn't? Because God was directing him. He said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. I don't say anything that the Father isn't saying because he trusted God completely. Because he knew God's plan was better than his. And he knew when God said, don't or do, he knew that that was the best, even if it didn't make sense. And we see his turmoil in the garden as he's sweating about going to the cross. It wasn't like he was like, yeah, guys, just another day at work, going to get crucified today. No, like he knew what was coming. And he said, not my will, but yours. Really, this list is just that. I'm going to choose to believe and trust you over everything else. So how are you doing with your neighbor? And I'm just tell you, I struggle a little bit with neighbors at times. There's some signs that appeared across the street from my house that offend me. They bother me. And I think it's just because of me. <laughs> and for the last three weeks since these no parking signs have showed up across the street from my house. And I've lived that for ten years because I parked a truck over there for most of it. I'm like, who? And I have, I'm struggling right now. Because I think, potentially, one of my neighbors is like, we had a little, like, group over there and people were taking pictures. I'm like, Lord, Lord. But this person that's more interested in the presence of God won't do anything to defame the neighbor, speaking negatively about them. You know, I don't own that property. It's not my right to park there, and and I'm trying to let it go. And I haven't. I have not parked in front of those signs since they've been put up. Because I want to be a real follower, but I want to love my neighbor even when they aren't the nicest people. And here's the truth. It may not be a neighbor. I have, no one's told me this. I could be speculating and blaming somebody for nothing, which is usually what happens. We, we hate a lot of people that we have misinformation about. That we've heard something, we've believed something, that belief has become truth, and it probably isn't even true. Verse 4. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Okay. Okay. Let me just say, we can run with this and be like, Lord, I can do this. Because some of you know vile people. And you're like, despise them. Some of you are going to get on Facebook after this and be like, the Lord has just opened the panel for me to tell them how vile they are. They're going to burn in hell. And part of that's truth is that we would, I, I'm going to tell you, what's coming for the church in the decades ahead, my opinion, is the world is going to want you to okay evil. It's going to want you to approve things 
that God doesn't. He's doing it right now. I don't even have to tell you what those things are. Isaiah 5.20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Look, we as the church, in a loving, graceful way, need to stand for what's right. And we need to not, and I'm just, I'm just, I think we idolize, I'm not mentioning names, we idolize politicians that don't deserve idolization. I'm not sure. This is his opinion. May not like it. I'm not sure anybody makes it to the place of being president is worth being president. Across the board. I'm not talking about Republicans or Democrats. I'm talking about both of them. I think the person that gets there, I'm not sure we as believers can be like, our Savior has arrived. Okay, I'm going to jump off that soapbox before it bites me. But we've got to stop and look at what is evil in the world and fight gracefully against it. Look, and let me just tell you, the people that are standing for that thing, that vile thing, have the potential to be children of God. They were created in his image. And if we don't talk uh, truth, if we don't speak truth in our heart, we will hate the person along with the sin. When the truth is, grace can reach them, grace can change them. And God can have glory still. But I'm just going to say, when it comes to some of the topics that are going on right now, the church has done a horrible job at loving people. Horrible. I, I don't disagree with what they're standing against, but we got to remember that these people have the potential for the grace of God. Second part of verse 4, it says, Who swears, and this is an interesting one, Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. They're like, what? What are you talking about? These are people who, when they make a promise, will keep the promise, even if it costs them. I think sometimes we'll be like, if it benefits us, we're like, yes, we'll do that. This is the businessman who makes a deal and at the end loses money because he kept his word overdoing whatever else. Even to his own hurt. I think sometimes we're like, well, it's not financially uh, feasible for me anymore, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out of it. And it's not just money, but it's, it's, it's making a decision. I'm going to do A. You give your word to do A. And I'm not talking about an evil thing. I'm just talking about a thing that you can do. And then when you realize, oh, I don't have time or whatever, we pull back. But this person that enjoys the presence of God is a person of their word. Verse 5, it says, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. This is interesting. If you look through the Old Testament, I'm not super informed of this, but when you lend to the world, they would charge interest. But if you lend to your brothers, you wouldn't charge interest. 
And this was a protection for the poor that you were connected to. You would even more so, you would be generous, not trying to make anything on your end to be beneficial to them. That, that's what this is. Simply put is they're generous. I think sometimes we're like, oh, no. And I look, okay, we live in, you drive around Wilmington. There's a lot of homeless and people panhandling. And, and, and I'm not saying that we give because I don't think it's always wise to give people money. But I think we need to be very intentional about how we care for people and not just for when it benefits us. And they don't take a bribe against the innocent. They fight for justice. We don't turn the other eye because it benefits us. We don't. We, we fight for injustice. And there, there's a lot of injustice. Just the, the, the sex trafficking that goes on in our own city, this poor city in our world, I think we would be shocked at how much is funneled through this area. And I, I think we should fight for the innocent. We shouldn't turn blind eyes. We should do things that cost us to rescue people. In the end, verse 5, it says, He who does these things shall never be moved. This person stays in the presence. Look, let me, let me just clarify. If you're a child of God, the, the, God's here. For one, even if you're not a child of God, wherever you are, God is. Omnipresent. He, he's everywhere. There's nowhere that you can go that he is not. But enjoying his presence and him being present is two different things. Okay, so him being there and us enjoying it. If if we've wronged someone, let's say let's put it back into a kid scenario, because this makes us feel better. Um, So if we've done something we know we're in trouble for, it's uncomfortable being in the house, right? Like when you know, like I've just broken whatever. Mom's gonna find it. I, I burnt things when I was little. Luckily, he didn't ever burn down our house, but I love to melt things and burn things. And, and most of the things you burn that aren't made to be burnt, especially in your house, they smell. And I wasn't really smart enough to hide those things, and I would get other things that smelled even worse with the combination of the burnt. You know, you get styrofoam and you melt through it. I mean, it just... Who knows what kind of issues I'm going to have with my lungs later with all the things that I burnt. But my mom would get home, and it was like... What have you done? But it's that, like, I don't enjoy the presence of my mom when I know that I've done something. It's the same thing with God. When we know that we're not doing the things that he's called us to do, we, we pull back. We're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. And what I'm talking about today is that we would intentionally strive to do the things that he's called us to do. Which is work. You and I cannot dwell in the presence of Without the work of God. So even if you did all of those things perfectly, which you aren't, you cannot, without the sacrifice of Jesus, you don't even have access to the tent or the holy hill. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake, he made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. If you walk through those gates, and I know there's not really gates, okay? If you enter into, you leave this world and you enter into the presence of God and, and, and to get to be in His presence for eternity, it will not be because of your work. 
It'll be, it will be because you have faith in the work of his son. But let me just tell you, and this is what we're doing next week. I'm just going to pre-warn you. Jesus didn't just make a way so that we could steal his way into heaven and not be changed. That when we, when we surrender to Jesus, there should be change. And if there's not things changing in us, if we're just okay with our sin and these things that we cannot overcome, we're not willing to get other people to help us, we're going to miss Jesus. Because the presence that we get to enjoy now here in this horrible world that we live in is given to us by him. And he tells us these things that, hey, 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 if you'll operate like this, if you'll do these things, every one of the things that he's asked us to do, it is all for our benefit. If we did those things purely, we not only would be better people, but those around us would enjoy not adding to their pain and suffering because of us. If we love God and love others. And this is what he's calling us to do. He's ta- calling us, and we're going to talk about this all next week. He's calling you to do the hard thing. And if you're, not do- if you're not willing to do the hard thing, you're not willing to grow. And you're willing, you're allowing yourself to stay in this place of this cycle that you'll never get out of. But when you're willing to do the right thing, when you look at these things and not go, Ooh, I'm going to do these things so God will love me and, and he'll let me in. But when you get to the end of this list and you know, I've failed at these things, I need more of Jesus. This is why we're talking about living. Jesus is greater because if we'll get there, he'll help us change. We should be looking at these things and going, oh man, these are areas in my life that I'm struggling with right now. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe you're like, I just can't help it. Maybe it's this truth, you let this other thing just cycle in you and you see it pouring out of you. Maybe it's how you treat your neighbor. Maybe it's how you think about no parking signs across the street from your house. I mean, it, I mean like, I'm telling you, like, I struggle. struggle. Like, I had prayed a lot that first week. Like, I knew they were coming because I saw the spray paint on the road. And then they showed up on a Monday. It was, hard. it was the hardest week to try to plan a sermon because all I could think about is those things. And God's like, really? Like, that's the thing that's bothering you? <clears throat> Only when we abandon our own works of righteousness can we come into his courts. Only when we're trusting in his completed work can we have access but we must not think that we don't have to walk it out, that we, we just get access to God and we get to do whatever we want. Really, surrender to Jesus means that you're surrendering to what he's calling you to, not just surrendering to, oh, yes, he died for me so that I get heaven. Surrendering to Jesus is saying, hey, he created me. And if I'll listen to him, my life will be better now. Not just heaven later, but me. I'll be better. And when you get better, the relationships around you will get better. So how are you doing? Like if, if, if God were to show up right now in this room, and his first question is, and he knows, but he, he'll ask, he loves to ask the question even though when he knows the answer. 
He said, how's your walk going? Like, what would you be willing to know? Like, if I told you, hey, he's arriving next week. They talk about this in the New Testament. So, you know, if they knew that the owner was coming back, they would have prepared. (laughs) They would have been ready. Like, if I told you, hey, he's coming back in, in two weeks, like, what would you do different right now? What if I told you he was coming back, coming back in three days? What would you do different right now? And I think what we have to change in us is we don't know when he's going to return. But good gracious, we better be living like he's coming soon. Because you're not going to know. And if I told you a date, I would be wrong. Okay? Like if I told you, hey, it's next Sunday, 2.30. I'm not saying that. Don't plan your life around that. Don't go sell everything and party, you know, like which... You know, if you party all week waiting for Jesus to come, like I think you've missed, you've missed the message. But it, we should be looking at it through the lens of where is he calling me? And, and I just want to, I want to finish with this. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Jeremiah 29:13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matthew Henry said this, it says, those who would find the way to heaven must look to God, must take direction from his work, word, and beg direction from the spirit. God is discoverable. The question is, do you want to discover him? Do you, do you want to? When, when you read this question, who wants to, who wants to sojourn? And I, I know we don't think. Let's just say dwell because it's a weird word anyway. Who, if you want to dwell in his tent and on his holy mountain, like we, we should be wanting and desiring to be what he's called us to be. And I want us to get excited about those things changing us because if I can get you excited about allowing God to change you, our city will take care of itself. If I could get you to surrender to Jesus and start working on you and start going, man, I'm gonna, I, I want, I know that Jesus is greater and I want to give him these things. If you start doing that, our city will respond. Because they'll see in you, your people around you will see. But the problem is we, most of the time, don't look any different than the rest of the world. We look at vile things and think, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I was reading this book uh, by Andy Stanley, and he was talking about a dad getting mad at the, the kid. It was super convicting because of the music. It's horrible music. Going yelling at the kid, turn this off. You know, this bad language or talking about things. But then the dad went and turned on the TV and watched something that had very similar things in them. The dad didn't like it because he didn't like the music. But he's, he's telling the kid, you know, don't do these things. And he walks into their room and turns on Netflix and pops on a show that may have some of the same things. I'm telling you, we, we need to be different. And the only way we're going to be different is surrendering to Jesus. And trusting that he can, he can make us this. He can, he can make, if we lose everything but we follow him, we'll be all right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, put a desire in our hearts for your presence. 
I pray that today as we went through Psalms 15, as we looked at things and activities that we may be failing miserably at. I pray that uh, Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we wouldn't be condemned by it, but we would be moved to action. And not moved to action because we want to please you and we want to earn your love. That we move to action because you loved us first. And out of your love for us, we want to surrender. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's, if we're a gossip, if we're a, a slanderer, if we're, um, you know, not holding up our word, if our word means nothing, if we're not walking blamelessly in front of people, if we're not being generous, Lord, I pray that you would convict us that we would model you. Lord, if we listen and obey... Life won't be easy, but it'll be a lot better. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us learn to walk in your way. We want to we constantly be in your presence, and not just in this room. We want to practice and enjoy your presence tomorrow, tonight, this week. And that doesn't happen without us desiring you first. Lord, you're greater than our insufficiencies. You're greater than our inability. You're greater than our weakness. Lord, you you said in your word in Romans 8, 37, that no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And let us be that. Let us continue to prevail because of your love for us. But if you are for us, who can be against us? Let us desire you. Change our hearts so that we can change our homes and change our cities. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.